Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Ernie's. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. the guy looking forward to tearing apart Spectre on our show this week. And I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. probably the only guy who thinks Sinbad is a cool name. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. the guy who thinks Jared Leto still looks like shit as the Joker. He certainly, certainly does. Turns out the tattoos weren't the only issue. What a concept. We hope you've all been having a great week, as well as a week full of great content consumption. I checked out the new Adam Brody movie, The Kid Detective. It's a dark comedy about a former child detective, now an adult, having to solve his first murder that may or may not relate to a previous case that left him both traumatized and ostracized from the community. Definitely would recommend it. On the opposite side, I finally watched Tiptoes, a movie where Gary Oldman plays a dwarf, Matthew McConaughey plays his older brother who is getting married to Kate Beckinsale, but will Beckinsale fall in love with Gary Oldman instead? Who's to say? All I will say is it sucked. (laughs) What about you guys? Watch anything interesting this week? Yeah, I have not been watching something that sounds that bad. I have been watching The Morning Show on Apple TV. It's a show that follows the cast of a major morning uh, news show in the wake of a sexual misconduct scandal, and it just has an all-star cast. It's got Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Mark Duplass, and Steve Carell. So if anybody is looking for a new show, I'd highly recommend that one. Okay, okay. Well, I haven't really been watching anything new. I just, I'm still continuing to watch Vikings, but going to that Tiptoes movies you, you, you watch, <laughs> Matthew, um, that does sound kind of interesting. I just, I just picture Matthew McConaughey talking to Gary Oldman as a dwarf, like, Hey, man, you're kind of short, dude. Yeah. I mean, what are you doing? It's pretty bad. Gary Oldman is, like, having to try and fake being, like, short, and they don't really use CG or anything, so he just looks like he's hunched over the entire time, and they have to, like, shoot doubles and stuff, so it's just comical. It's so funny. Also, Peter Dinklage makes a cameo as a French guy. Pretty interesting. Anyway, let us move on, because I don't want to think about that movie anymore. Um, Along with all that stuff, WandaVision on Disney Plus is, of course, a regular part of our weekly TV watching. This is our third bonus series. We started by covering The Boys and The Mandalorian Season 2, so be sure to check out our reviews of those if you're a fan. Just scroll up on your podcast feeds wherever you get your podcasts to see our catalog of movies, TV, and gaming content. You can also subscribe to The Arnie's on YouTube and listen to all our episodes that way. If this is your first episode of The Arnie's, we are happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday. Last week, we continued our first ever Dungeons & Dragons adventure. Austin, how do you feel the second part of this series came out, and what can the audience expect to hear in this follow-up? Yeah, man, I'm I'm really proud of that episode. I think it came out great. Uh, We, of course, had our special guest, Dungeon Master Nick from the Very Good Adventuring team. Gotta give him another shout-out. But D&D Part 2 is really fun, man. We get into some sweet combat. Uh, We have some really fun character moments with each of our individual characters, and I think it has an insanely funny episode, and I'm just so proud of the way that one came together. I think it is one of my favorites that we've ever put out. Yeah, it's really good. Great job on editing that one. Um, As for this coming Tuesday, though, we are finally returning to wrap up our retrospective and review series of Daniel Craig's James Bond movies with Spectre. We will, of course, return to this when No Time to Die eventually comes out, but for now, Keith... How was rewatching Spectre, and what was your favorite part of the recording we did? Rewatching Spectre was interesting. I mean, if you go listen to a recording, you'll you'll learn that we all, I think, did not enjoy this one as much <laughs> as we did the first time watching it. Yeah. Um, as far as any highlights from recording, I know we definitely bashed Sam Smith's uh, mm. theme song from it. That's definitely. one that comes up. Definitely another one. Uh, not to bash on uh, Christoph Waltz's 
performance, but we will bash on his character and the way it was written. So it had some good action sequences, some good location sets and all that, but um, yeah, go listen to it and find out for yourself what our take was. Definitely agree. Sounds great. So keep an eye out for when that episode drops this Tuesday. We have some great content out now and some more exciting stuff on the way. Also, we do want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about WandaVision so far and anything relating to any of this other fun content we mentioned. And of course, speaking of WandaVision, it's time to return to the mysterious Westview for the sixth and Malcolm in the Middle inspired episode of WandaVision. They also break down the classic Halloween theme and just holiday episodes in general. We only have three episodes left of this season. I've been absolutely loving this series so far, and they continue their high level of quality once again. They continue to give us really classic and fun sitcom plots that feel heightened by having the MCU characters in them, all the while leaving the bubble occasionally to give us some compelling stories outside of the sitcom world. The mystery continues to build. Last week, they continued to build the tension between Wanda and Vision as he discovers more and more of what is really going on. Before things could come to a head, though, we were interrupted by the arrival of Quicksilver. Of course, not the one we expected, but Evan Peters from the X-Men Fox universe. I know you guys have been particularly loving the show the last few episodes, so now that they showed us so much and gave us a bunch of answers the last few weeks, did the show maintain its momentum without having as many answers or reveals this time around? Well, we're going to break that down. With that said, Austin and Keith, why don't you give everyone a quick reminder of your thoughts on the season so far, and definitely give us your non-spoiler thoughts on episode 6 as well. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I didn't love the premiere of this series, but everything since then has just been top notch. And I have really, really come around and just been having a great time with this series so far. Um, Episode six specifically, I think is a little slower than what we've had in the past couple of weeks, but I still really enjoyed it. I think this episode may be the creepiest of the show so far, which honestly kind of makes sense since we are in, you know, the Halloween theme that has come to Westview. Uh, They also introduced two new dynamics to the show. One being the Wanda and Pietro relationship, and the other being Monica's team having to work around S.W.O.R.D. It feels like we are speeding into the final third of the season, and honestly, nothing on TV right now quite holds my attention or curiosity, just like the way this show does. Yeah, I think I was a little bit higher on the first episode two than than Austin was. I did like the whole sitcom theme. How it was just solely a sitcom there for the first two episodes, and then we start moving into the outside world, um, dealing with S.W.O.R.D. and all that. And with this episode, yeah, I really enjoyed this one as well. This is probably one of the, I don't know how to really describe it. Maybe, I think it's probably the most distinguished out of the ones that are out so far. It didn't really feel like the rest of them. But I will say as far as mimicking uh, sitcoms, this one did a great job mimicking a early 2000s sitcom. I really did feel like I was in a Malcolm in the Middle or Drake and Josh themed episode. Uh, but yeah, I en- <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I definitely agree. I um to give mine real quick. I agree with Austin. I just I really liked it, but it definitely was a bit of a slower pace, which nothing wrong with. I just think coming off the last two episodes in particular that were so mystery focused and gave us so many answers, it did feel a little bit jarring at times in this one that we didn't really get that. Not that we should expect it, but it just it felt a little different in that way. So I still really enjoyed it. Um but yeah, before we go too much farther, this is your spoiler warning, everybody. For the rest of the episode, we are going to speak freely, give our thoughts, and we aren't going to hold back. So if you haven't watched Season 1, Episode 6 of WandaVision, be sure to do that first, and then come on back to give us a listen. And 
here we go. We're going to get right into it right now. So again, this is Season 1, Episode 6. We have three left, and this episode is called All New Halloween Spooktacular. So Austin, why don't you run down our cast and crew? All right. Well, WandaVision, of course, is created by Jack Schaefer. This episode is directed by Matt Shackman and written by Chuck Hayward and Peter Cameron. And for the cast, we have Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, Paul Bettany as Vision, Teona Paris as Monica Rambeau, Evan Peters as Pietro Maximoff, a.k.a. Quicksilver, Catherine Hahn as Agnes, Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, Kat Dennings as Darcy Lewis, and Josh Stamber as Director Hayward. That's right. We also are starting to see more of Tommy and Billy, so we're definitely going to have to add them to the cast next week, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, as for just a quick reminder of what went down, even though this was a slower, like I mentioned, there still is a lot of important stuff to get through, so let me do it real quick for you. So now we are in a late 1990s and early 2000s sitcom setting. Wanda wants to spend the boys' first Halloween together as a family, but Vision tells her that he is going to patrol the streets with the neighborhood watch instead. Pietro offers to step in as a father figure and takes Tommy and Billy trick-or-treating, causing some havoc with his super speed, which Tommy is shown to have inherited. Wanda is skeptical about Pietro because he looks different, but he assures her that he is really her brother. He later reveals that he knows Wanda's controlling the town, and he is okay with it. He asks Wanda how she did it, but she says she doesn't know. She only remembers her grief. Meanwhile, Vision explores further away from their house and finds residents on the further streets of Westview standing frozen in their positions, including Agnes. Vision speaks to Agnes's real self, and she tells him that he is dead and Wanda is controlling them before Vision restores her to a trance state. Meanwhile, outside of Westview, Hayward is preparing S.W.O.R.D. to attack Wanda, but Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy warn him against antagonizing her as it would only make things worse and start a war they cannot win. The director orders them thrown out of the S.W.O.R.D. base for questioning his authority. They discover that he has Monica's blood work, which reveals that her cells are changing on a molecular level as a result of going through the boundary twice. Darcy stays behind while Monica and Jimmy go to meet a friend to help Monica get back inside the hex to help Wanda. Vision tries to push through the static wall, but he begins to disintegrate. Billy senses that Vision is dying and tells Wanda, who expands the hexagonal static wall, Vision, Darcy, and several sword agents are enveloped into her reality. And meanwhile, a commercial during the WandaVision program advertises Yo Magic Yogurt, which seems to imply how Wanda could have found herself in this mess by means of a devil's deal, or the fact that Wanda can't save everyone from death. I'm not entirely sure. Actually, you know what? Before we even get into our roundtable discussion, what'd you guys think? Because this commercial stood out to me because the other ones have been so obvious. It's like, oh, it's a Stark Toaster. Oh, it's it's Baron Von Strucker's watch. Oh, Hydra. This one, obviously magic, references Wanda, but this one seemed to be a bit more of a metaphor. I mean, what did you guys make of this? I was kind of thinking it might be a, in some way a reference to Doctor Strange, just because we know that Wanda is going to be appearing in the Doctor Strange movie. Okay, maybe, maybe. I mean, my first thought, whenever I see these commercials, the first thing that comes to my head is like, okay, what commercials from, you know, our childhood or other generations' childhoods are they trying to mimic? So I'm like thinking, okay, Gogurt. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to figure out the whole survivor thing. Like, this is a yeah. snack for survivors. But then at the end, the person dies in the commercial. What does that mean? So really, my answer is that. I don't know what that means. Like, what? Yeah, I don't me know. Neither. Yeah. Like I kind of mentioned just from watching the commercial a couple times and reading some things that people might be thinking, people are trying to determine that it's just a metaphor that Wanda can't save everybody from death because we know that obviously factors into Vision as a character and Pietro as well. Um, So even though they're they're temporarily here, maybe it's just inevitable inevitable that they will die once again. Um, The other one that seems more interesting, though, is the shark character basically shows up and is like, hey, I can save you. I can help you. You look down. Take this 
take this and you'll be fine, basically. And then it turns out there's, of course, a negative side effect. It's like I'm, it's like it's one of the things that they uh, like genies typically are portrayed as not like Aladdin style genies. It's like, sure, I'll grant you your wish. But there's also a caveat. It's like, here's your food, but you can't open it. Then they die anyway. So people are saying maybe this is like a deal that Wanda made previously. So like at the beginning of the season somehow, like she's letting someone feed off of her magic, yo magic yogurt, and it's kind of in return giving her all she wants, but in the end, everybody's gonna die anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm still not sure on this one, but it was it was a cool presentation for sure, like Keith said. I like the way that they mimicked old school commercials from whenever we were kids. So it was cool to watch regardless. I'm kind of over the commercials, honestly. It worked for me in the first two episodes. I'm, I'm kind of done with it now. I'd, I would rather have that time allocated to the commercials spent on the actual show. Well, Austin, everybody has a commercial they would want to see. I know there's something out there that they could play that would get you. What commercial could they mimic in the next episode that would get you pumped, do you think? I guess if they did one of the Geico ones, that could be kind of fun. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Uh, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. What about you, Keith? What What are you hoping that they copy next time? Oh, man. If they could do like a uh, a super soaker commercial. Ooh. Ooh. Those are always funny commercials. <laughs> you know what? I, I guess, was this Geico also? Whenever you, when you said Geico, are you talking about the Gecko commercial specifically? Yeah, I like the Gecko ones. Okay. I was going to say, I think this might also be Geico, but I want to see one of those caveman commercials. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about that them? too. Yeah, I was picturing yeah, that. Those, are, yeah. those would be good. I don't know how... Yeah, I don't know how they could, like, make that into something in the MCU, but I don't know. They'll figure it out. It'll be good regardless. Okay, now that we covered that, let's hop in to the bulk of our discussion. This is our roundtable discussion. We each brought some points to the table, and we're going to break it down and see what everybody thought of the episode. So I will start us off with the first point here. I really like this episode, like I said, but there was something about it that made it feel like a bit of a halt, I guess, to the momentum that the show has been building since the very first episode. We already knew Vision was aware of what's going on. We already knew Wanda wasn't sure how this started. We already knew what the people outside were trying to accomplish, etc., etc. So this did feel like a little bit of the same stuff repeated, but they treated it as reveals in a weird way. I don't really know how to describe it. I still really like this once again and had a great time watching it. But do you guys kind of agree or disagree? I know, Austin, you said it was slow, um, but I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I agree. I, I think this episode felt really slow, especially compared to the past two. Um, that's not a bad thing though. I, I don't know how you keep up the momentum that the past two episodes have had throughout the remainder of the season. So I'm fine with a slow episode. I just kind of like you said that, Matt, I don't feel like I learned anything new this week other than the fact that nobody understands why Quicksilver is here, but that's also not really a new thing either. They kind of brought that up when he was revealed last week. So I guess I just didn't really learn a whole lot. Um, I kind of figured Vision wasn't going to be able to leave the hex. And so that didn't, that reveal didn't really surprise me. Um, and, and weirdly, I was kind of wanting some more Agnes content. Like she's kind of hardly in this one. And, and I find her really interesting when she pops up and just I kind of want to see what she's doing in the background every time she's on screen. Yeah, the Agnes thing you mentioned is actually kind of maybe the best example of what I'm trying to say is whenever that happens, it's so cool. And then it's like, oh, my God, Visions, is he going to do the like the, the thing that will make her be a real person? Like we could actually find out who Agnes is. And I guess maybe I, I don't know, maybe she's faking somehow. But whenever she becomes a real person, it's what we've seen already. She's just like, I need help. You're an Avenger. And then it's like, so I guess there is a small reveal of that Vision now, I guess, knows that maybe he's dead. Maybe that's why he doesn't remember things. That, so that's kind of a reveal to him, not to us. So it's like, I thought that was going to be really cool. Maybe we might find something out about Agnes, but that wasn't the case. So 
Yeah, I I don't know if it felt slower to me. It just felt different from the other from the other episodes. Yeah. Um, I don't really don't know how to describe why it felt different. It felt maybe because of the time that's supposed to be taking place in, like that early two thousand sitcom. Maybe it's not taking place in an older sitcom world anymore. Maybe that's why it felt different. They also do do some like new filming stuff with Tommy and Billy, where they're they're almost doing like found footage type of filming, where it kind of seems like they're holding the camera and talking to it. Yeah, very Malcolm in the middle, yeah. But I am in agreement, though, with you guys. Like, it didn't really reveal too much in this one. It didn't really get a lot of answers. Now it's going back to, now there's more questions again. I think it's kind of like the way this this show is kind of going now. Like, one episode reveals questions, and then next episode reveals the answers to those questions. They also have, in a really subtle way, kind of changed the format of the show. Like, when we're, in the past episodes, when we're in the Hex bubble, they're still... Like, everyone is still doing the sitcom shtick. And in this episode, we're still in the bubble, but everyone's kind of dropped it after the intro. So, like, we're still existing in the bubble, but no one's really pretending. Like, all the main characters aren't pretending that they're in a sitcom anymore. Everyone's using their powers willy-nilly, and the only ones that are really impacted by the sitcom now are just the bystanders of Westview, not any, not really any of our main characters. I think Wanda is so desperate to maintain the sitcom setting, because I think in her mind, it's like, this is the perfect life. But I think she is the only one actually trying to keep up the facade anymore. That's a good point. Huh. Man, now it's just making me think over and over. I, I, gotta, I, wish, I, I wish we could watch the next episode right now. There's just so much <laughs> I want to know. I guess just a smaller point to make. I didn't have this one written down, but you guys mentioned it there. I mean, did you guys think it was cool? I guess we, we kind of talked about this already, but the fact that we expected Tommy and Billy would have powers. But did you like that they're literally just, you know... It's like Wanda creates these kids, gives one of them her powers and the other her brother's powers. I thought that was kind of fun and made sense. Did you guys like that? It was fun, but like it didn't surprise me. So I wasn't like blown away when it happened. Gotcha. So does one of them not have Vision's powers at all? That's a good, that's a thing to mention. Yeah, I, I, I guess we kind of thought maybe one of them would all of a sudden change into an android, but no. So that's actually kind of maybe a bigger question, Keith. Like why didn't she, if she created them, why wouldn't she have given one of them Vision's power? I guess that's kind of a weird thing to create his powers are so weird but she purposely clearly gave one of them super speed so i don't know i don't know if that will be like a bigger thing going forward maybe maybe tommy gave that power to himself because he thinks pietro is so cool i don't even think about that that maybe that's an aspect of it maybe they kind of took after who they wanted to in that sense this episode definitely brings up some uh scientific questions though relating to wanda's powers in the hex most notably the people that are not interacting with the main characters are pretty much on autopilot or standby which we see when Vision is like just staring at him and they're just standing there in the middle of the field until they're needed in another what Wanda would probably call a scene in the sitcom. So does this go back to my theory that whenever Wanda's mind gets kind of irritated, her, you know, her made up reality starts to slip? Do we think this is all her or is she being blackmailed or framed to do so in all this? It would be hard for her to not directly uh, manipulate these people like when she's not interacting with them. So maybe they're kind of zombified when she's not around. Like maybe this is her way of like kind of conserving her powers. Like she can't have them all out and about living normal lives if she's not around them. Like maybe this is her way of just like, I don't have to manip- manipulate these people if I'm not around them. So they're just kind of, kind of, kind of be on standstill until I need them. So weird to put it that way, but you're so right. That, does, that is what it feels like. And also, I mean, it was odd that Agnes was a part of that. Like, how did that work? Like, why would she have been in that part of town as well? Like, do you think there's an added element to what Austin said? Is it possible that she was, because she was in a car, was she just driving and then basically like went too far? Do you know what I mean? It's like she was driving and then just 
hit a point where she was like, oh, I'm outside of the proximity. So now I guess I'm frozen. Maybe that's part of it, too. I don't know. Well, and she's also like she's trying to put on this scene for Tommy and Billy, too. So that takes a lot of effort. So I feel like she just has to kind of focus her energy where she needs it to happen. Well, let's go to my next question. So she's able to expand the hex, which, you know, we were kind of theorizing maybe she had control of whatever was inside the hex, but didn't have control that the hex actually existed itself. She's able to control the perimeter of it. So maybe she is solely in power here. The hex expanding is my favorite part of this episode. That was the most interesting part, I thought, for sure. Oh, yeah, it was very well presented. Um, Yeah, again, you know, we've been talking all season how this started, how who exactly is in control. And maybe, you know what, maybe this ties even more into the commercial they showed. It's basically someone shows up to give you the answers and leaves immediately. Um, Wanda, it seems like she's doing everything. It seems like she has the power to alter the hex in some form. She's clearly, you know, like controlling everybody's minds and actions to some level or at least monitoring them. So I think she's doing everything. It's just that I'm assuming whoever ends up being the quote-unquote villain of the show, also I guess you could equate them to the shark from the commercial, showed up, manipulated them because they were having so much grief, gave them the ability to do this kind of thing, and maybe took some of her power in return or something, and then just bailed. And then Wanda did it without realizing it. So maybe that's how it ties in. Because like you said, we're seeing so much. We're seeing her manipulate the hex. So it's like... Because at one point in the show, we thought she was just controlling people's minds. But now we know that there's way more to it. It seems like she's doing everything. Dude, that scene, though, when, when Vision is just walking around the outskirts, it's so creepy. How they pan on some of their faces and there's just tears rolling down their heads. Like, so good. Oof, so sad. Man, like, genuinely so sad. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's darker than I expected the MCU to go, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it just highlights what they've been telling us. It's like, because it's so easy. It's like, you know, the whole show don't tell. And the most of the show... We've seen people, like you said, both of you at different points, like um, like it doesn't seem – we know it's painful whenever Norm tells Vision this is painful, but it doesn't seem like whenever Herb's just walking around, seems like a normal guy. But now there's an extra layer. Like we see what's happening to them when they're not being used, if you want to say it that way, and they're literally just frozen in time. They can't do anything. And like you said, like one of them is literally just crying and can't move. It's like, Jesus, like it's so fucked up. And if they're crying, you would have to – the even more messed up part is that means they still have some sort of like motor function, I guess, right? So it's like they're aware of what like they're conscious to a degree, but they're just frozen. They're not being used. Well, yeah, it's that's like, what that's what Norm says when Vision unbreaks him. He says, "Get her out of my head. It hurts." Ugh, so fucked up. Well, you did uh, you did mention Herb, mm. and our boy Herb does have a scene where he briefly breaks character and asks Wanda if she wants anything changed. Uh, that yeah. kind of made me realize. The only, like, sitcom character we have seen, like, actually interact with Wanda in a major way is Agnes. And she has that relationship, too, where she's like, oh, do you want to reset? Do you want to redo this? So I'm just curious how these actors, as Wanda would call them, I'm curious how they view this relationship. And if if all of them see themselves as, like, I'm just here to kind of get through this scene so Wanda won't mess with me anymore. Or are they all just, like, so terrified of messing up in front of Wanda that they always have to kind of make sure they're doing things exactly as, as how she wants it to be? I guess I'm just curious how it is, like, for them in their heads. Like, what is Wanda saying? Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure. I think the Herb scene was really interesting, like you said, because now that you're making me think about it, she doesn't really directly interact with too many characters. So that was totally casual and fine at first, and then it did get a little bit weird 
it's and it's all just about the usage of words because like she's basically she it's finds so quick, out too. yeah because she find out from herb on accident that vision lied and is not working with the neighborhood watch and then i guess herb notices that reaction and is like oh is there something i can do do you want anything changed and that just ends and it's like it barely gives you the audience time to go oh change is a weird word to use so yeah i don't know how much awareness is there and like how much autonomy everybody has and now, Austin, your point actually made me really just think about something that's interesting to me because the other characters that Wanda had so much time with was Geraldine, who's not in the hex anymore, obviously, Monica. The other one in that second episode was that, what was it, Dottie Jones or something? Like Dottie. Yeah, I thought of her, but we haven't seen they her. don't interact for very long. Where'd she go? Either. She's not even in the background. Maybe she pissed off Wanda with how she treated her and she's maybe moved her to the frozen zone or maybe just kind of... She doesn't want to see her, so maybe there's a more sinister aspect. What if Herb's like, well, I don't, I haven't seen Dottie in a week, so I'm just going to kind of play it cool and just be nice to the point that I can because I don't want her to make me disappear or something. Like, I don't know. There's there's so many weird potential layers to it. Because why the where's that character? Where did it happen to her? <laughs> so what, what did you guys think about that um, that interaction with Vision and Agnes? She does break her sitcom character. And uh, she does kind of have a weird cackle, but I the way she reacted, I don't think she's a villain anymore on the show. I love that scene, but I'm not entirely convinced she still is not a villain. I think she still could be maybe acting. She still seems different from the other people that are in there. How she's always there at a convenient time. She kind of was looking at the mailman weird. She, she, uh, the only thing that is similar was the, you want to take it from the top thing? She's, that's kind of similar to Herb's thing, mm-hmm. which, okay, then now I'm now I'm kind of falling in the wagon and maybe she is innocent. I don't know, but I'm still not convinced that she's entirely innocent yet. I'm in the Agnes is innocent camp. We've sullied her name enough in the beginning of this show. She's innocent <laughs> and we got to cut her some slack. Okay. Um, I guess I'm kind of in the middle. I'm certainly not 100% convinced that she's innocent, but I still kind of feel like she she's in on the plot. She's connected to the villain in some way. I still have to believe that, at least a little bit. I don't think she's the main one anymore, but somehow they're going to reveal some involvement on her side, I feel like. Yeah, as for just like my thoughts on that scene, I guess I already mentioned it a little bit. I thought it was presented extremely well, and how cool is it to see Vision transform into his modern Avengers form and then just fly and like look around the town, see her fly down and then the scene starts like that was the intro. That was so cool. Um, My only real negative with it was like I mentioned already, once once he like put his fingers on her head to kind of make her turn into her normal self, so to speak, I thought we'd get more from that. And really all we got was it was revealed to this version of Vision that you're an Avenger and you're dead which we already know. So the only thing that I think will be interesting that comes of this is I have to believe in the next episode, Vision will ask Wanda directly, what What are the Avengers? And Agnes told me I'm dead. Give me some context for that. And it's probably going to be some really sad scenes with Wanda finally telling him the truth or something. I don't know. But so that aspect of it was cool. The scene itself, I guess I just expected Agnes's true form might be a bit more forthcoming, but... I don't know. Do you think Wanda's going to be redeemed by the end of the season? Or do you think we're going to have to wait until the Doctor Strange movie for that? Oh, um, that's a good question. I have to imagine somehow they'll redeem her. And I'm really curious how they'll do it. Because right now, seeing all those frozen people is kind of damning. I feel like it's like, that's yeah. not good. And I mean, we've only, we've only got three episodes left. And it's not a whole lot of time to kind of reverse everything and make us 
think uh, fondly of Wanda again. I'm also curious because like uh, once Wanda does get redeemed, if we're going to call it that, there's not really any conflict left on the show anymore. So there's going to have to be a secondary villain or something. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it really will come down to the villain, if you even want to call them the villain. How much involvement... Because again, we know that there's something. Wanda has said repeatedly now, and in this episode, that she didn't start this and she doesn't know how it started. So we're going to have to see some flashbacks to how this started, see who gave her the abilities, to see what that other person's involvement is and to their level of control. Maybe they'll somehow reveal Wanda wasn't in as much control as we thought. And if they do that, then I guess she's redeemed. On the opposite end, I don't think this will happen, but just a fun thing to bring up. Is it possible that she doesn't get redeemed and she's the villain of Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness? I feel like if they were going to do that, Doctor Strange would have to make an appearance in this show. He will. I think that's the only way it would kind of make sense. He has to. I I feel like he's going to come in in the finale, for sure. We gotta see. We have to see Benedict Cumberbatch doing his American accent that I love so much. I don't believe in your fairy tales about chakras or energies. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's another prediction under the Matt Johnson column. Mark me down, one hundred dollars, please. Thank you. Uh, we've talked a lot about Vision so far, and we've talked about individual scenes with him. But I just wanted to focus, kind of, on his arc in this episode, if you will. I thought it was really interesting. Maybe one of my favorite parts. Um, in the opening scene, just right off the bat, I love that he didn't let go of that fight they had at the end of the last episode. He's already acknowledging. She's like, your costume looks great, honey. He's like, the only thing in my closet. And then the second she starts to say, you have to stay for Halloween. You're not supposed to be going on to the neighborhood watch. He interrupts her and just says, what? Like he just interrupts her and he he knows that she's about to say, that's not how you're supposed to be doing this day or whatever. Well, she kind of says that too. She's like, well, that's not right. That's what I mean. And he just interrupts her. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Um, And then they show through Austin's point of the Herb conversation, he's lying about what he's doing so he can kind of investigate what's going on. He leaves the hex like Keith mentioned and almost dies, but we get to see him asking them for help regardless. He wants them to help the people, including Agnes that he had just talked to. And I just thought it was a really interesting and creepy, like – Storyline. I mean, of, of course, including the frozen people like we already mentioned a bunch of times. But what did you guys think of Vision's just trajectory in this episode? Did you like it? I'm glad he tried to leave in this episode. Yeah. I feel like in other shows, it would have been like he looks up, sees that there's a border, and then, oh, boom, that's the plot of next, next week's episode. But I like that on this week, he just beelines straight for the edge of the hex and tries to get out. And then him getting torn apart was just kind of hard to watch. I felt so bad for him. It was done so well. I mean, that was clearly where the budget went this episode, but it looked amazing. And it was really sad. Like, I was genuinely yeah. kind of... We don't even really know Vision that well outside of this show, to be honest, with his appearances in it's other movies. It's just the way Paul Bettany plays him, though, dude. I Paul know. Paul Bettany and plays him so just good. Just a great physical performance, too. The way he kind of crumbled and it was like, I don't know. It was great. I think some of my favorite moments with him were walking, just walking around the town the interaction with Agnes was awesome, uh, mm-hmm. and him just interacting and observing all the people that were just standing there, and like you said, the one person was crying, and he was just kind of like, yeah, something's fucked up here, like real bad, and pretty sure it's my wife. <laughs> I'm going to get yeah. out of here. And then he started noticing the, the wall of the hex, and yeah, mm-hmm. that was crazy when, it, when, he, when he went out there. And I was kind of on, on Darcy's side in, in this scene. It's like, why, why is nobody trying to help this guy? The sword guy's just know. standing there watching him. They're all just watching him doing nothing. And to your point, Austin... Also weird because, again, another reveal that didn't really work for me. Maybe it will pay off later. But when they broke through their firewall or whatever and they discovered that Hayward has found a way to basically look past the boundary. Yeah, he knows how many people are inside. And the big 
I don't even know if you want to call it a reveal because it didn't feel like one is that why is Hayward tracking vision? I guess the question would be, why is he not tracking Wanda? He's basically tracking vision. And to then follow that up with Hayward just watching this guy die. I'm, t- I'm totally with you. I was with Darcy. Like, why did they reveal that he's tracking him and now he's letting him die? I guess maybe he wants him dead so he can continue to yeah. like experiment on him like we saw. Yeah, they don't want vision. They want the body because I'm sure they're thinking there's some tech or something they can use. Um, and I guess there is a reveal that they're saving until next week because there was like one more layer of his firewall that Darcy had to crack. I had to watch that again because I was confused. I was like, wait, did they actually reveal what it was? But no, you're right. So there is some mysterious project that Hayward knows about that they haven't mentioned. Um, so yeah, I thought that was all interesting. And I love just from a character standpoint that because putting yourself in vision shoes, he walks through this wall and basically all in one moment in the last five minutes, he's heard he's dead. He's heard, what's an Avenger? He gets out of this wall, and I guess in like one moment, he's in just so much physical pain, he's literally dying again. And at the same time, he realizes, I guess this home I had isn't real, because I just walked through a wall. And then, but I love that his first reaction is, the people need help in there. Like, that's the first thing he says. I'm like, God. How does him saying that line not sway a few of the soldiers? Like, I get I get not swaying Commander Hayward, but none, none of them have like looked up to the Avengers or anything like that, especially in this world. I was going to say, I guess they really didn't have time to react because then the, the thing sort of started expanding right whenever, right after he said that. So they were just like, oh shit, let's book it. And they started just driving away. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think the timing of it was a bit weird because they were, they were cutting back and forth. So I guess you can assume he wasn't actually out there that long. But to your point, Austin, I wanted to bring this up. I actually had to watch this episode twice because I watched it late last night uh, for the first time and I, I just really didn't retain much of it. So I watched it again real quick this afternoon. And there was one scene that didn't really jump out jump out at me at the first time, but it kind of maybe Austin they put it in there just for that point you made. But whenever right before he tells Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy to leave, he first of all he does reference what we talked about last week, which is like he says to Monica, "I don't care what you're talking about. You're biased. You're just defending uh, Scarlet Witch because you have a history with Captain Marvel. You love these superpowered beings." But I did like that he was like, "And you know what?" People like you that were snapped can't talk to someone like me that was here for five years. That was a great line. I really enjoyed that writing. Yeah. So they basically set up that the people that were there, the people that were not snapped away, kind of have a resentment towards these super powered beings that you could argue. Again, I wouldn't, but I guess they would. Some of them feel like they might be responsible and then are not responsible now. So it was just kind of an interesting dynamic. Maybe they brought that up for the reason you just brought up. That writing makes me so interested, like even more interested now in phase four of the MCU, because I'm so curious how they're going to play in this dynamic of half the population was snapped and the other wasn't. I can't wait to see that play out in more movies. Yeah, that's a good point. I really didn't think about that. Yeah, it did not jump. For whatever reason, it just did not resonate with me the first time I had to watch that scene again. But Kind of interesting. It's 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 what you do with the villains, right? It's like you're not supposed to fully buy in, but whenever they say stuff like that, you go, okay, I guess I get it. So it worked well enough. It's what you do with the villains if you're the MCU. If you're the <laughs> yeah. DCU, you just make them CGI monsters. Or you give them a red wig and tell them to stuff cherry Jolly Ranchers in strangers' mouths. <laughs> or you reveal the entire plot in all your trailers. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun, huh? Um, all right. And then, yeah, my, my only other thing I wanted to mention with that point was I know it, it's simple and I know it's goofy and cheesy and certainly they weren't like super practical, but it was just really cool to see um, Wanda 
Pietro and Vision all in their comic accurate outfits. Like Keith, I don't know if you know, but their um all the outfits they were wearing for Halloween are the way they look in the comics. Obviously for the movies, oh, okay. they make them look different and stuff like that. But it was just fun. I liked whenever Pietro grabs um Tommy or I don't know the kids' names. Tommy or Billy, whichever one, and they run out. They run back in, and he 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 comes back looking like Pietro from yeah. the comics. It was just fun. I liked it. Yeah, so, that's funny. Yeah, I just Great wanted to mention Easter that. Egg. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pietro, Wanda does seem a little bit confused as to why Pietro is Evan Peters, uh, EP, as the kids are calling him these days, Ooh. Uh, and seems to be quizzing him on their childhood. Uh, she also uses her powers on him at the end. What are you guys thinking about what this conflict is going to look like between the two of them? And any theories as to why EP is here? Well, okay, he had a line there, and I'm trying to remember what how it exactly went. He's like, no wonder you would make me look different. I would not want to remember my past either. Yeah, you, 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 you nailed it, Keith. He basically, he, the word he uses is, Wanda's like, why do you look different? And he says, if I had discovered Shangri-La, I wouldn't want to be reminded of my past. Basically saying, if I found myself in my paradise, Westview, I wouldn't want to be reminded of my dead brother. So that's why I look different. That's the excuse the character's giving. He also seems to be kind of like egging her on in, he this, definitely in this episode. Does. And that's not really the way his character was in the X-Men universe. Like he wouldn't, I don't think his character in the X-Men universe would be down for all this. So no, no. it seems like he's playing him a little bit differently than he would be if, if he was Peter Maximoff in the X-Men universe. Yeah. There's so many well, layers Well, that brings to us it. back to that question we had last episode is like, is he actually that Pietro? He's got to be. He's got to be that. He's got to be that Pietro. You don't I, bring in this actor if it's not that Pietro. I'm but with you, I think Keith. there could be a uh I think there could be like a little twist of him being in the hex. Maybe it's causing him to act to act differently. Yeah, that's possible. But there are some caveats. There's some big caveats that again, whenever I rewatched it, I caught that I didn't catch the first time. Cause I'm more leaning towards Keith is it feels the way they're presenting it is that he is Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's just his face is different. But then to Austin's point, then why the hell do they pick the only other face that we would yeah. pick from live action for Quicksilver? Totally makes sense. You don't you don't bring him in if you're not going to have him play the X-Men character. There's right. There's no way. But then why does he know about MCU Quicksilver's past? You know, the thing he says, there's a great – another great scene that Wanda was like, what's the last thing you remember? And he's – or maybe he says something and then he says, the last thing I remember is getting shot for no good reason, which is – they showed us in the intro to this episode on the recap. They showed fucking six-year-old footage from Age of Ultron. They show him dying. So he get I got shot for no good reason and then I heard you calling for help and I came. So his memories are to some degree the MCU version. Again, in the beginning, he describes a memory and Wanda says, that's not quite how I remember it. So I guess he's the MCU. It's so confusing, dude, because Austin, it's like, it seems like this is the X-Men version, but I guess he has some of the MCU version's memories, and now he's in the Hex, and it's like, ugh, it's just, it's so confusing, because now he, I guess, his memory was lost, and he's just playing a character. But then, the final thing that I have to mention is, I talked about how he has some of the MCU version's memories. Save one, at the very end, right before Austin mentioned he gets uh, the power. He get whenever he got hit with the powers. That was so cool looking, but he gets it for a good reason because he says something that his character should not know. He says, "Don't worry, sis. Your dead husband won't die twice. Quicksilver from the MCU would not know that Vision is dead. So why does he know that? If there is a villain to the show, it feels like the villain put this one put Quicksilver there to egg her on and kind of antagonize her a little bit. But I do still think it is the X Men Evan Peters. Yeah, I think it could be. Um. 
I know on this show we don't talk about too many theories. I read one today that I did think was really interesting. I don't know if I like it. So, and this is, it's so goofy. So, you know how they said that Monica, um, she, and I do think this will actually become important, but they said Monica going through the boundary has completely changed her cells, you know? Which, can we talk about, I hate that so much. It better pay off in a big way, but if it doesn't pay off in a big way, it's so dumb. It is dumb. It's also dumb that Monica's reaction is, I've seen cells metastasize and in remission. I don't care. It's like, we're not talking about your dead mom. We're talking about you. So you don't have cancer, Monica. You're just changing. That's all I'm saying. Um, anyway, but the thing that was interesting, Austin, is I guess people like you were trying to, why would they even have that in there? Like, what's the justification? People are saying, and again, this is goofy, but the MC would totally do it. The thousands of people that are in the hex currently, and we saw it expand, right? We saw it at the end expand. So who knows how many people are in it now? They're going to come out of the hex with the hex gene that the MCU will then shorten to the X gene, and she's created all the mutants, okay? So everybody in the bad. hex is going to be that's a mutant. That's not bad. Hold on. So everybody in the hex is going to be the first mutants in the MCU, but they're going to bring over Evan Peters, Michael Fassbender, and James McAvoy to be like the – to lead lead them, I guess. They're going to bring over Charles Xavier so he can – you can have that character that knows what's going on. They bring over Magneto to have a villain, and I guess they brought over Evan Peters because people love that version of Quicksilver. And maybe they'll bring over more. I don't know. That's what people are saying, that she has I created mutants, That's and then they're awesome. just going to handpick people from Fox to put in familiar faces, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Perfect. That's an interesting theory. I like that, though. Whenever I read it, I was like, that is something that MCU would do. They would say these people have the hex gene, and then someone goes, too long. Let's call it the X gene. Oh, mutants. <laughs> like, yeah. that's what they'll do. I like it, though. That'd be cool. kind of fun. And I think this is going to have to tie into the Doctor Strange movie, because I do think they are going to use his dimension stuff to also further combine the two universes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, so we just talked, we just kind of touched on Vision getting sucked back into the hex, because I guess he's already dead, so that's why he couldn't leave. But, okay, yeah. but their kids, on the other hand, were created within the hex. So I have a feeling... Maybe they're gonna leave the hex. I remember they were they were talking to the uh, Wanda, their mom, and they were saying she was like, "Remember, you don't go past uh something something Boulevard." They're like, "Or you don't go past what?" They're like, "Yeah, Ella Boulevard." Like, that's right. I feel like that's like foreshadowing to them one day going into that street and then just like getting curious and then going past the wall. No idea. I can't. That's what I'm thinking about the most. I think with this episode is what the kids' future are. I don't know. I don't think it'll be like Vision because he can leave because he is dead. In reality, the kids aren't really, they're not, they're not dead in reality. They, they just were created in the, in the hex. I I think they'll be able to leave. I'm curious how that's going to impact the rest of the MCU, but I can't see them being trapped in the bubble as well. I I bet they're going to be able to leave. Yeah. Cause they talked about how, who are these kids? And they're like, well, they're nobody. Like Wanda created them. And it's like, well, oh, I didn't know she could do that. So if she can do that, then presumably she could have done it outside of the hex. And if she could do it outside of the hex, then I guess they can survive outside of the hex. So we'll see what they do. I'm kind of leaning, I think, with Austin that I I think they'll find some way to keep them around in some form. Maybe, who knows, maybe they'll even age them up even more. to, And maybe they'll cast somewhat, you know, recognizable young actors to play them. They can kind of use them occasionally in the MCU. Who knows? They could do something like that. Um, But I don't know, man. The, the way this is all going to unfold and with the hex expanding and the kids, like, can they leave? It's just there's so many aspects. I just don't know. And also the, the last shot we saw was Wanda expanding it, then cutting back to her and kind of like 
I don't know, like, what's her reaction going to be to all this? Because she just endangered so many more people. And they also said in this episode that she, speaking of the children, Keith, did you, what did you guys think of the whole, whenever Pietro was like, where were you hiding all these children, by the way? And that's been like a weird plot point that apparently everybody cares about that I've never really understood up until this point. But, and then Wanda says something like, I've been trying to pair couples together. So I guess she like picked and chose people that didn't have kids and put them in the hex. So they were together. Regardless of that's true, it, it becomes a bit more sinister whenever the hex expands because now it's random, right? People, anybody could be dragged in. He also was like, you handled the, the ethics of this really well too. But he also kind of right. said that in a way where he was like kind of messing with her as well, it seemed like. Yeah, because he was like, you did it as good as you could have, basically. So it's yeah. like, it's still fucked up, but now but it's, it's, it's also kind of weird because that means, I guess I've always been under the impression that Wanda doesn't realize she's hurting these people, but now it kind of seems like she does know she's hurting these people and she doesn't care. Well, Vision told her last episode. Yeah, but I guess I just kind of figured up until that point she didn't know. Oh, but now she's kind of made it abundantly I, yeah. clear. I agree with that. But she's now made it like abundantly clear in her conversation with Quicksilver that she does know about this. Like she's in control of who's paired with who, how they're handling each other behind the scenes and she just doesn't seem to care she only cares about having her life with vision which yeah. goes back to the overall question is she being controlled by something higher that's like maybe it has her in a trance that's causing her to do all of this that's the big question <sighs> yeah that's the big one I f and it sucks because we always talked about the m we always talk about the mcu being kind of predictable and stuff but if they don't do that then how do you redeem her you know it's like if she's not being controlled in some way then it's really fucked up. And the fact that she expanded it is even more fucked up because, again, now it's not – the ethics are more random. So it's just – I don't know how you do it in three episodes, but we'll see what they do. I hope it's unexpected how they kind of resolve that stuff just, you know, for enjoyment factor. So the Hex starts expanding and sucks in Darcy because she was handcuffed to the car. Mm. Do you think she's going to be herself or do you think she's probably going to be, you know, within the rest of them and brainwashed and in a trance? I think it's going to be like Monica was. She's going to be brainwashed for a little bit, and then eventually she'll probably break through. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe maybe the hex has expanded so much, Wanda can't control things as easily. So maybe she will be herself. That's a good point. We'll have to see. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to Based happen. on what they've yeah. set up, then she wouldn't be able to. But I guess we'll see. Um, just a fun little thing. I think it's cool that they are bringing in Kat Dennings to the sitcom just because she's really great in Two Broke Girls. That's kind of what she's probably most known for outside the MCU. So she has sitcom roots. So it'll be fun to see her in a sitcom, especially a modern one, because I presume the next episode will be late tw 2000s, early 2010s, probably like modern family type thing. So it'll be fun. I'm excited. I guess before we wrap up, did you guys have any theory? Because I didn't. Did you have any theories about who Monica and Jimmy were going to go see that I guess can apparently help Monica get back in the hex? Like, I have, I just had no idea. This has to be the engineer that she was texting last week, right? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So apparently it's a big character then if they keep talking about it. Speaking of the aerospace engineer, guys, we are going to start closing out the show, but we do have <gasps> a fan message to read this week. Oh. Yes. Superfan Brittany sent us her theories. Brittany! She is convinced, this is her number one theory, she is convinced that Reed Richards is the aerospace engineer. Mr. Fantastic. And that he will be making his MCU debut in the show. We did talk about that. I am I am with Brittany. I think it's possible. It would be pretty bold, though. I mean, to introduce the leader of the Fantastic Four in just, not a random show. It's obviously, it's a big deal, but it's like, 
doing that now and then setting it up for the movie that'll come probably years from now. So it'd be bold, but I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it. I think that could be really fun. I want to see how the Fantastic Four are incorporated in this world. And I think Reed Richards, even though it's crazy, might be my number one choice as well. What about you, Keith? What do you think? Would it be the actor from the uh, the no. old Fantastic Four movie? <laughs> no, they <laughs> got to distance the themselves guy? from all that garbage. No, not Miles Teller. The can. one before Miles Teller, Chris Evans. Oh no, what was that guy's name? The guy from 102 Dalmatians. Yeah, that guy. But <laughs> that then Chris guy. Evans would be the uh, the flame dude. So that wouldn't Human make sense because he's yeah. cow- they're going to distance themselves as much as they can from those shitty characters. No, they they're all coming back. Chris up. Evans has signed a deal. He's coming back for ten more films, but he said I'll only oh, do is that it the way he's if I can play the Human again? Torch. <laughs> he's playing both. <laughs> Additionally, Brittany also doesn't think Wanda is fully in control of everything, and something is really fishy with the Head Sword guy. I think she nailed it. I think she definitely nailed it, and and props to them because. I didn't really feel super suspicious of the sword guy. I just thought he was kind of a dick. But in this episode, like Keith said, there's a mysterious project he's working on. So he's clearly up to something fucked up. And yeah, I think at this point, I agree that Wanda's not fully in control. So I think those are some good points. And uh, I hope I hope we can hear more of Brittany's thoughts as the season goes on. Well, I've got I've got one more thing to read. This is her final thoughts. Randall Park, of course, played Asian Jim on The Office. She said she loves seeing Asian Jim on the show, and Darcy is hashtag lovable. Oh my god, I'm so with that. I love Darcy. I love Darcy. I love cat tennings. <laughs> you know what, though? People have been talking. Um, Keith, maybe, I don't, Austin, you might know this. I don't know about you, Keith, but people have been talking a lot about Randall Park as uh, Asian Jim Halpert in The Office because the people that have fan casting for years, Keith... People have been wanting John Krasinski to play Reed Richards. So there's another little connection mm. there. He plays Reed Richards oh, and then you have that. and then you have Randall Park talking with him. So you have a little meetup of the minds, oh, if you man. will. That's, That's not even awesome. a joke. That's literally what people have been asking for. <laughs> they want John Krasinski to play him. And you know Marvel, they want to please everybody. So there's no way John Krasinski hasn't had a meeting to play that character. So we might see him next episode. Cool. Who knows? I'd be down for that for sure. Yeah, he could definitely play Reed. All right. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for sending us the messages. Anybody else that wants to send us your theories for WandaVision, Shoot us a message on Instagram at the Arnies and we will read them on the show. That is our promise to you. Just like the MCU, we want to keep you happy and read your stuff on the show. Nice. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. Please also leave us reviews as well. Uh, Even if you don't want to write anything, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. It really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday to close out, for now, our retrospective and review series for Daniel Craig's James Bond with Spectre. That's right. So so stay tuned. Keep an eye out for that. It's, it's Bond has been a really fun series. We have some more ideas brewing for some other series we can talk about. Obviously, with WandaVision, we are planning for the MCU at some point. But, you know, we'll hold back. We have some other ideas brewing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the big thing with that is if we choose to do the MCU, it's going to be a year of this show. So yes. anybody out there, if you really want <laughs> us to keep talking the MCU, let us know. But uh, we're having some serious debates about it at the moment. We're down to do it. We just got to figure out if we want to pull the trigger now or wait until, I guess, uh, 2022 or three. I don't know. Whatever. We'll figure it out. <laughs> don't you guys worry. In the meantime, like Austin mentioned, check out Spectre. And like we mentioned at the top, we will, of course, add no time to die to our rankings when that eventually comes out. 
We also talked about our Dungeons and Dragons episode. Both parts of that are out now. So if you haven't listened, you can listen to our entire first chapter of our campaign right now. Austin and I also put out our first episode of Co-op Couch, which is our little mini-series where we're going to be talking about games exclusively once a month. So we have another episode of that coming real soon. And of course, we are going to be continuing WandaVision for the next three weeks. Three episodes left, which means you have three more episodes of us breaking down and reviewing each and every episode. Can't wait for the finale. It's going to be great. Keith, close us out. Yeah, go check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and upcoming episodes. Let us know how your rewatch of Spectre went. And remember to go back and watch Casino, Quantum, and Skyfall and listen to those reviews as well. Please give us your theories on what is to come next on WandaVision and go listen to us slay some goblins on D&D. And look forward to our bracket coming up. We are going to be breaking down the best rom-coms. I just rewatched. 500 Days of Summer last <gasps> night. Was it as good this time? You was have it? to wait and see. Oh. You have to wait and see. I'll leave you <laughs> there. What a tease. And hey, anybody, we are uh, kind of figuring out some scheduling stuff for the show, like Matt said. So if there are any franchises or movie series you'd like to hear us do on the show, send us a message with those as well. All right, that's going to do it for us. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. I ain't calling you a truther. Yeah.